Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. I am welcomed here with my friend, uh, John Cook. He is a content genius and uh, he's just been really fun to get to know over the years. He's always doing something new. Um, he does not sit back on his laurels in his business. He is always looking for the next way uh, to provide value for people and to help people get to the next level. So John, uh, thanks so much for coming on today, sharing your wisdom, sharing about keynote content and all you've got going on there. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for the invite, Valerie. I, uh, why my mind back, you know, a couple months ago and you're like, Hey, love to be able to, to have a conversation. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, now we're able to finally have this conversation and, um, especially with how things shift and change the world. I'm excited to see kind of uh, what we talk about next. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny too, because we live about 20 minutes away from each other. <laughs> took us months to just get on a zoom call together, but you know, we're both moving and shaking, I guess. So, um, John, why don't you give people a little bit of an overview of what you guys do at keynote content and how you got into doing this in the first place, because you did not start off as someone in the marketing space originally, no, <laughs> no taking a few twists and turns to get here. Yeah. I, so I was in the nonprofit space for about seven years and my background is therapeutic care and counseling undergraduate and graduate work. And so middle school and high school students and, uh, and a variety of different settings and situations. And uh, while I was working on that, I was also developing writing on the side and just something I'd started to do through college, started a blog, a, a Zanga blog. If you remember those days of Zanga, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, me and my, my dorm room were like, hey, I heard that word this. in a long time. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's like, right, put that right there with your Juno email address. Oh my word. <laughs> you know, yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's just something I wanted to develop, something I wanted to put together and, and say, I want to help tell stories that I think are interesting. And that was continuing to develop while I was in the nonprofit work. And, and at the same time, after about five, six years, I was kind of getting this, this, this calling, this, this leading to say, let's pursue this more full-time. What would it look like to pursue writing full-time and telling other people's stories and help them figure out how to tell stories that can change the world. And that, that led me into starting um, what's now keynote content. And we work exclusively with coaches and consultants, more specifically in the financial advisory space, um, people who are in the, who are advisors, CPAs, um, BFAs, uh, CFPs in, in the, I call it the alphabet soup crowd. You have like this, you know, financial advisors <laughs> and you got this alphabet soup behind your name. That's our crowd. And we help you figure out how to talk about what you do in a clear, comfortable way, like a human. Yeah. And then be able to connect with people that you know you can help. I mean, that's a pretty complex uh, space as far as subject matter goes. So the fact that there's somebody like that or like you that helps kind of distill that down into something that's digestible for the average person. I mean, my husband used to be a financial advisor and I still don't understand all of the ins and outs when we're talking to our, our own CPA and our own CFP, our own planners. So it's something that even people of all education levels and backgrounds really need it simplified. So I love that you're doing that. Yeah. Well, Have you found that to be a challenge with, uh, with the folks in this industry of kind of getting out of their headspace that's so technical and, uh, and kind of specialized, you know, they, they really do speak a different language. It, it is a lot like a different language. What I've found is there's this 
you know, we, you're familiar with the, we've talked before about the blue ocean, red ocean uh, concepts, like where, where it's a heavily uh, crowded area, more of a red ocean, the blue ocean is like, hey, there seems to be a lot of opportunity. The opportunity that I'm seeing is that in a heavily regulated space, like the financial advisory space, yeah. the investment portfolios, investment management, retirement planning, that there's this absolute need for a fresh take on what does money actually mean for your future as an investor? What are the real questions that you're asking? And where, where a, lot of, a lot of advisors, a lot of different practices and even firms, large-scale firms, what they run into is we have these compliance departments and it's a struggle just to get something, a simple email sent to compliance because compliance going like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not what we're used to. This is not you know company approved already and now we have to take extra time and actually right. read through it. And what I have found is that a lot of advisors and a lot of advisory staff almost have this combative relationship between themselves and their compliance space. And it's going, you're on the same team. What, so for me, when we work with advisors, say, can I talk with your compliance department? They're some of the first people I want to talk with because they're wanting to yeah. make a difference too. Yeah. Many people in the, in the compliance department. I want to make sure that we're putting out something that's fresh and exciting, can help grow our business and, you know, grow my impact, grow my income, whatever it might be. Right. But I'm so tired. And what, what the compliance department I'm seeing consistently from three national, you know, nationwide size of compliance departments, different people have told me, John, we're just looking for something different because it's the same boilerplate content that's been approved. An advisor puts their logo on it and nobody reads it because it's not remarkable. Yeah. I just wish for something fresh. Yeah. That's, that's the excitement. That's the, the, the opportunity for me is finding out how we give your take on it, on the whole advisory experience in a way that is a win and actually sounds remarkably different. Yeah. With your compliance department's blessing and approval. Yeah. The fresh take, I think is important. Because you're right, it is very stale. People like to stay safe. <laughs> they don't like to rock the boat there. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's that's cool. Um, so, I'm curious how you've seen things evolve over the last few years in your space on the copy side and just the messaging standpoint. You know, after going through the pandemic, um, you know, kind of this great resignation phase where people were kind of you know, shaking things up all over the place, staffing wise and companies felt like they didn't, they just felt like they were kind of hanging on for dear life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and now people feeling like, oh gosh, things are changing yet again. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, like, how have you innovated and how are you, um, seeing your clients innovate maybe with your help, or maybe it's just something you're seeing happening in them, but I'm curious what you're seeing as far as how things are evolving. Sure thing. So I was just in San Diego a couple weeks ago for a client event. I have about 160 to 180 financial advisors in the room. Some of the top financial advisors in the United States came together, um, well-known organization. And consistently, as I was talking with different advisors, saying, what have you seen that's changed? Because for me, I, I don't want to just be the one that's that's thinking I know or coming up with these ideas or sure. opinions in a vacuum. But consistently, what I was hearing from advisors, they're saying there's a lot more there's more willingness to change advisors. There's more willingness to bring on multiple advisors and almost divide up your investment into a couple under 
uh, your total nest egg, as it were, dividing up between this advisor and another advisor, and maybe even a third yeah. advisor, as almost like a um, hedging your bets about your financial future. And what that translates to me is more investors are saying, I don't know if I can really trust my advisor to give me the confidence and clarity I'm looking for, because mm -hmm. so much has been disrupted over the last two, three years that people are saying, I just want something to feel normal and to know that I know we're headed in the right direction. So the conversations mm -hmm. I'm hearing, especially on the copy side of things, on the content side of things for advisors is how do we imbue more of that trust for an investor to know this is the place where I need to be. It's not yeah. just, hey, not just a great emotional connection, a great relationship connection with the advisor, but it's yeah. the it's a com combination of data and some anecdotal in a non-promissory way, <laughs> but right. in a uh, here's here's what we found to be true for couples like you or investors like you or families like you, whatever it might be. Yeah. And combining all of that into this idea of there needs to be more work put in for advisors to build a deeper foundation of trust than there might've been in the past, Yeah. but it's setting up, this is, this is the best time to go all in with your advisory practice. Yeah. By far. Hmm. Is there anything you've done specifically in how you've marketed yourself and keynote content in the last few years that you've shifted to uh, as a result of kind of how user behavior and trends are, are changing all the time? Absolutely. For advisors, Many advisors were used to the the dinner party mm -hmm. situation. Hey, we're going to invite these you know, 20, 30, 40 people. We're going to fill this room at this Olive Garden somewhere or whatever. We're going to give you, hey, here's a, we're, you know, a complimentary meal. And I'm going to tell you about you know, our process or our work. And that was one that was consistently leaned into. Yeah. Of course, shutdowns, lockdowns, people can't do that. It actually opened up the conversation for more advisors to say, is that how we want to engage with people for the first time? Yeah. Is that really the best use? Because it's an outdated old model and advisors to lean into the opportunity of saying, what do we actually want that conversation to look like mm -hmm. with the right people? Yeah. Is that something that we start before they even hop into a room with us, you know, into this, this 20 to 30 people at a dinner party? Is this even something that we need to wind back a further up the timeline and figure out? what are the questions they're actually asking that mm -hmm. we want them to know about us or what yeah. we want them to know to be true before we even hop on a call? Yeah. Digital marketing, of course, side of things. But they're saying, how can we build trust faster before we ask them to make even that size of a commitment to even hop on a call with us? Yeah. People are far less willing to get in, to get in person for something like that because saying, oh, there's the convenience. Oh, I didn't have to do that. Right. Hmm. It's yeah. a shift. It is a shift. There's definitely been a shift in how people want to engage, are willing to engage. I mean, even just myself, I'm like, I'm not willing to go into a grocery store yeah. on a regular basis. Not yeah. because I'm worried about germs right now, but because I can get it delivered to my front door. And that's mm -hmm. really great. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so there's just some user behaviors that have shifted <clears throat> as a result of what's happened in the world new resources that are available now, new shifts of like, I'm not willing to get in my car to drive to XYZ unless I know it's going to be worth my energy and effort and time, you know, whereas I used to drive 
all over the place. I put so many more miles on my car than I do now, <laughs> you know, um, the, the whole concept of like, could this be a zoom meeting? Does this need to be in person? Obviously there's value in the in-person, but, um, yeah, there's definitely some user behavior that, you know, it just, and, and also on the flip side, relationships, are they as deep when they're just on zoom? Yep. Especially if it's somebody new. So, well, and that's a, that's a key to that point where I'm seeing more trust being built by advisors that maybe was not as, uh, not as valued or not given as much attention you know, yeah. pre 2020, as it were, is this idea of a proprietary process. It's not a new concept, yeah. but for more advisors, if the ones who are investing or really doubling down into here's what our process is. Yep. to take any any investor through and clearly unpacking each part of that process from a from a objective standpoint we do this part first and this and this and this and steps two three four five whatever however many steps it is yeah it allows the investor to see you have a plan mm -hmm. and i see how i how my life my current situation meshes with that plan yeah Whereas it, it is often the same process, the same framework. Yeah. But it needs more information now to help people know with certainty, oh, here's where we're going next. Yeah. That's great, man. So now we were talking about this before we hit record that you've been in business now for nine years. Nine year mark. Got my nine year um, chip. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen a lot happen over those nine years. Um, you've probably learned a lot. Um, and so I'm curious, are there some things that you like advice you would have given yourself back when you first started out, now knowing what's gone on in these nine years, just as a business owner in marketing, <laughs> how you would have positioned your own brand, like anything like that? What would you have told yourself? I would have told myself, well, I, if if given the opportunity, said, "Hey, let's do a kind of like this uh, ghost of Christmas future, as it yeah. were, <laughs> into the here is this nine year hall of hall of glorious mistakes, John. Let's just do like a quick cursory look and you know, like, hey, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, yeah. But it's a call them glorious mistakes because that's where the that's where the wisdom comes from. Um, what I would tell myself is, don't try to do it all yourself. Yeah build a team faster yeah build and there's you know the, almost like a kind of a, a pithy saying but it there's you know there's a lot of truth to it where it's like if your business is about relation if like it's if relationships build your business why isn't your business about relationships mm. and I've heard it a couple of times and it's easy to be like, okay, okay, that's cute. That's, you know, that belongs on like a uh, you know, chicken, chicken soup for the soul type of thing. <laughs> but I kind of went, the more I've leaned into relationships, yeah, truly investing in relationships over this, over the past six months, especially yeah. it's going, who do I need to be working with Yep, that has a profound skill set and track record? It's not just having strategic partnerships, but it's the the faster that I can recognize this is not inside either my skill set yeah. or my time set or my interest set, but it's a value set. If I can truly lean into it and find out somebody who fits well inside that, the sooner I can hire them and trust them to, to fill that void yeah. or bring their expertise into that set, the faster I can go that's off my radar 
and it allows us to move so much faster than me trying like, oh, I can, you know, I can figure this out. I think one of the traps is, is very popular to say like, hey, everything is figure outable. It's like, yes, yeah. but is it worth your time for you to figure it out? <laughs> I think anybody who's tried to build their own website can relate yeah. with what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. spent hours trying to figure out how do we make XYZ do this simple thing? And it takes a web developer like two <laughs> minutes to do, you know? Exactly. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's the uh, simple one is, is the lawn care. I've done lawn care, you know, for, for my house, whatnot for years. And then about five or six years ago, I said, stop this. It's not worth my time to do my lawn because when I do my lawn, the edging doesn't quite look like a pro did it or the <laughs> mowing. Or the patches, there's so many patches. And so I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I hired a, a pro and the patches are gone and got a mm. recognition. Best lawn on the block. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> and my weekend's back. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm like looking at it, my lawn, my window, I'm like, hmm, how much do I need to employ that? Cause I'm staring at all these pine needles that have fallen all over my yard. I'm like, I should really hire somebody to rake this up right now. Cause I don't have the time to. So yeah, there is just that knowledge of when does it make sense to bring resource in to do stuff for you? So. Yeah. And yeah. I, I would say the, the trap I fall into the mistake I have made more. I mean, I will gladly admit all the times I, I made it is the, I can do this. Right. But should I do this? Mm. Or should yeah. I be the one doing this? Yes, right. it needs to be done. Yes, it's great. Social media is an example. Yeah, I can post all sorts of things. But if I happen to know somebody that has social media publication that her team does. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, there's sometimes those things that feel very, very easy to hire for. For example, I had a snafu a few years ago with filing my quarterly taxes, trying to do it myself, feeling completely confused. And it got to the point where I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this is a very clear thing that I should not be doing myself. <laughs> so that felt like, yeah, that makes sense to hire. But sometimes it's like, well, no, I do know how to write my own copy, or I do know how to do a fair amount on my website. But like you just were saying, like, at what point am I spending too much time trying to do it? Mm -hmm. Because yeah, technically I can do it, but it might take me forever. It may not be as good. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> all of those different things. Um, when there are experts out there that you can hire to bring in. Yeah. So I love that you, that that's one of your insights because it's that fine line of knowing at what point do you need to hire somebody? Yeah. And sometimes I feel like hindsight is the only, you know, true teacher of, oh, I should have done this like six months earlier. <laughs> you know, after suffering through for months and months. So, um, that's great. That's great. And congrats on nine years, Thank you. nine years and counting. Um, yeah. so if you were to give people advice on their next marketing win, whether it's big or small, um, what would you, what would you tell people to go do in today's world based on everything you've experienced with your own brand and with your clients? Consistently, I would say obsess over your ideal prospect has two parts. They have a mind, they have a heart. Mm -hmm. And if you market to only one of the two, you're missing out on a key part of who they are. 
there's the there's the idea of okay, you make emotional decisions and you justify them logically. So you make decisions with your heart, whether it's I'm going to purchase this course or I'm going to sign up for this program or I'm going to buy this thing, this widget thing, whatever. Yeah. Um, or dump you know way too many things into my Amazon you know Black Friday cart, just as an example. <laughs> and then you justify with your brain saying like, oh, we can make that work. I can crunch the numbers. Our, that fits our budget ish. And in the same type of way, you know, my, like my background, therapeutic care and counseling, I've worked with a variety of different people in when it comes to figuring out empathy and how to actually walk with somebody to achieve what they truly want in life. What do you really want in life? What are you excited about? What will bring you joy? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of marketing, it's the buy this thing. Okay? For what joy? Yeah. For what purpose? For what fulfillment? And over the last couple of years, I've been doing more studying and research and pursuing some actual classes, um, graduate studies in neuroscience to understand here's how the human brain is wired for influence and impact as what is happening for neuropeptides, neurotransmitters, and inside different parts of your body that can connect with the, these, these cravings, these natural innate desires that you have from your emotions and how they play well together. I call that neuroempathy, neuroscience and empathy. Okay. Combine the neuroscience of here's what your ideal prospect is thinking about, but also here's what they're feeling. Yeah. And you combine what they think and feel in harmony. It makes it so much easier for you to present something than ethically present something that you know can help make their future better. Mm. That's great. And is that a phrase you coined? That is a phrase that I coined. <laughs> that is that is a book that I am writing. I am in a, nice. I, I tell people I'm in a seven year journey to write this book and because cool. <laughs> it's, this will be my magnum opus. Like this will be my, my masterpiece that I bring out into the world because I believe that the greatest responsibility on any communicator is knowing and understanding how your audience is thinking and feeling about what you do. Mm-hmm. And how you can ethically deliver on those thoughts and feelings with your product and service to help change the world for good. Wow. That's great. That's wonderful. So, okay. If people have, you know, been intrigued by your empathy and, you know, all this talk about how to reach kind of these, uh, what do you call them? The ABC alphabet soup folks. The alphabet soup. Alphabet <laughs> they, they, soup. Yeah. Um, all the, the folks in the financial advising world, or just really want to get more uh, intentional about how they're getting their message out. People want to get more from you and from keynote content. Uh, where is the best place for them to kind of get more from John Cook? Yep. You can go to keynotecontent.com. You can go on any social media platform, search John Cook, J-O-N-C-O-O-K, keynote content, and you will find me. I'm on all platforms. I'm putting a lot of consistent content out on YouTube, and we have a new structure we're running, rolling out here in January to get... Um, new uh, new website put together and um, a few different offerings I want to put to put out there specifically for advisors to take a great first step in the new year. That's great, wonderful. Well, John, thanks so much for sharing all your amazing wisdom today, and for all of the things that I've learned from you over the years. I really appreciate uh, you know our friendship and business relationship here. So I, I really appreciate you sharing and coming and sharing with all our listeners. Uh, thank you for the invite, Valerie, and uh, we'll make sure we'll, we'll get our our families together and uh, enjoy uh, some good catch-up time soon. Awesome. If you liked what you just heard, please hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. 
And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review. That not only helps us out, but it helps others discover great interviews just like this one.